Cast, the official Games Master podcast. You're listening to episode four. I'm your host, Robin Valentine, the production editor on the magazine. I'm joined, as always, by Ben Griffin. Hey! He's our staff writer. And I'm also joined by Matt Gilman. Yo! Who is uh, the editor of the magazine. <laughs> Slightly strange noises from both of you in the intro well, there. Well, I listened to the last one, I thought, we have to be more enthusiastic in our greetings, and then we can set the tone. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it should be more like sort of, hey, like, welcome. Hey! Oh, no, that's, that's, oh, so, sorry if you just had a big jump in the volume. That's of too enthusiastic. Okay. I think you hey. should channel your inner, like, breakfast DJ hosts, Robin. Good morning. You're listening to <laughs> the Road Dog. The, Mastercast, the official Games Master podcast, the only thing to listen to on your drive to E3. Wow. Like, um, you sound like that video gamer dude, um, wrestler guy, Mark Miller. Oh, the Miller Report. The Miller Report, yeah. The Miller, Simon Miller. <laughs> Simon Miller. Hey, guys. I'm Simon Miller. Um, <laughs> you turn into a farmer, then? Hey. Sorry, Simon, don't beat me up. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, Simon Miller of VideoGamer.com. Fine, a fine website. As you're listening to this, our issue 305, still on sale, with uh, Adam Jensen on the cover. It's a lovely issue, if I do say so myself. Would you say so yourself? I would say so myself. I okay. also say so myself. There you go. Our next issue, 306, is out on the 14th of July, mm. um, which is going to be the 51 best games to look forward to of 2016 <laughs> and beyond. <laughs> yes, well done. The 51 well best games of 2016 and beyond, featuring all of the like massive games that you need to be uh, looking towards. Um, yeah, this time of year, obviously, everyone's starting to talk much more openly about what's coming for the next 12 months, so we've kind of put everything all in one place for, for you guys to delve straight into. And two that I know a lot of people are going to be looking forward to mm. are Pez and FIFA. The football games, they go head-to-head every year. It, I do get a sense, though, and we'll find out in a minute when Ben starts talking about oh it. God. That this year it's going to be quite a meaty contest between the two. Oh, the meatiest of all contests. Yes. Which would you like to start with, Ben? So Which are you more? I want to go for FIFA because I've been playing FIFA yearly since 2008. I've put like 100 hours in it at least every year. And this is, uh, from what I've played, the, the most substantial season yet. Wow. Okay. So straight out of the gate there. That's a powerful statement. Yeah. Let me okay. First of all, it's got a new engine. It's on Frostbite for the first time, which is Battlefield's engine, and it, it looks really, really nice. Um, you know, facial animations—they've captured uh, players. Uh, you know, like rage faces and an ecstatic goal sc- post goal scoring. So, if you get the camera and you zoom in, you can see them a lot more accurately modelled. Mm. Um, they've got now flesh over the bone rather than just modelling the, the bone. That sounds disgusting. What do you um, mean? <laughs> Are we still talking well, about skeleton Are we talking about Doom again? <laughs> they, they've got like wrinkles now, which which weren't moving in the in the last game. But right. they've, they've got that. We saw like a picture of, of Harry Kane wearing a big face rig. He's Tottenham's striker. So yeah, new new Frostbite engine that that also enables better kind of like uh, modelling of scenery, such as uh, for the first time 
they've got a story mode uh, called The Journey. Now, this is what I'm interested yes, in. Yes. And you, you delve behind the scenes and all, like, you know, Chelsea's dressing room and, and you know, the manager's office of Man United, that's all modelled in Frostbite. That's, that's why they changed the engine. And The Journey mode is basically a single-player story. You play fictional youth Alex Hunter, and he's trying to crack into the Premier League and get a contract. And depending on how you play, that determines the contracts you get offered, um, if the manager likes you or not, if he gives you playtime or if he just puts you on the bench, if fans boo you when you get the ball, if they cheer you. And I think it it looks really, really cool. We I I played um a few games of that. Mm-hmm. So you, you make I made my debut at Anfield. I was playing um for Man United. I was I was on the bench for seventy minutes, um and like you could hear the the, the fans chanting like who are you? Who are you? As I was getting warm, warmed up, uh, and the commentator was going, "Oh, welcome to the Premier League, son!" Uh, and they were singing like, "You'll never walk alone before." Uh, and then Mourinho, who's the manager, he's he's you got, you've got actual real world managers in this game, like Jurgen Klopp and Wenger. I used to call him Wenger, but he's not. He's Wenger, and they're like how you call Jake Gyllenhaal, um, Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Uh, well, I've been wrong before. But they they have those. A Mourinho signalled to me to get dressed, and I I came on. Well, you were naked. Did, did he give you a little tap on the bum as you walked past? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's no. He didn't do that. No. Maybe next year when they got butt physics in. <laughs> but yeah, I, I got every changed. wrinkle on the player's bum. <laughs> Ripples in, <laughs> with a tap. <laughs> next generation bum slaps. <laughs> um, um, and my coach um, said to me, "Ah." Oh, how are you feeling about this? And I had three different choices of what to say. I could say like, oh, I'm really fired up. Or I could say, um, oh, just another game. And he'll, and my coach would say, um, he'd say, oh, I like your, I like your fired up attitude. Or he'd say, oh, cool as a customer. Wait, cool as a customer. <laughs> cool as a customer. <laughs> is a, Who is also a cucumber. Cool as a cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I, ca- I came on and I had three objectives. I, I had to make, um, well, these are optional objectives uh, determining like how, good my rating is at the end mm-hmm. if i made 10 passes i'd get an extra rating if i broke the deadlock by it was a nil nil contest if i if i scored i'd get extra credits and well i ended up performing really badly right. I, I kept up asking for the ball in a bad spot and the game was smart enough to know that i was i kept asking for it and not being in a good spot to receive the ball so i kept losing the ball my rating went down um and the manager was not was not pleased um, but if you do perform well, you can boost your different skills. You can purchase like uh, fifteen traits, which are like power headers and like mazy dribbles, so you can improve your player. So you can like you can build your player into who you yeah. want to be, as in and 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 are the, are you limited in terms of the position on the on the field that you play? This there's a lot of questions about the journey. Um, I was a striker in this one, and I couldn't see a way that you could change your position. And there was actually a, a subplot involving. Harry Kane again. You are um, at one point we, we saw like a cutscene where you're sent out on loan. You're playing for Leicester and you're sent out on loan, and you turn on the TV. You're in your you're in Hunter's bedroom. You turn on the TV. Harry Kane's on the TV being interviewed about being the new Leicester striker, um, and you're quite upset because you think you're you're being replaced. But if you're a defender, mm. would Harry Kane be there? I, I would I would wager that 
you're probably just a striker, right? Because it's gonna because they're gonna be thinking like everyone wants to be like the guy who scores all the goals. Mm. They it probably just mm. forces you to be a striker, right? I would imagine. Yeah, you, that's where you get all the glory. Yeah. I mean, they're not gonna let you be like a goalie or something, are they? They mm. they let you be a goalie and be a pro last time, yeah, but then they wouldn't have Harry Kane in there and not use him. So I'm pretty sure you're locked into being a striker. You're definitely locked into being Alex Hunter, so you can't create your own pro. So it's not like. Um, uh, in NBA 2K16, you could like change your appearance. You could change your well, you can cha- actually you could you can change that much actually. You could change your appearance, but you can change your name. But in this, you are just a set character, aren't you? Yeah, you you, you grow up um in like a a, def- a thoroughly British uh, house, and that, that's actually modelled as well. Like we saw the Frostbite um, engine house, and it's like it's going to anywhere in in a suburb in England, and it looks like that. It's got like the black sky dish outside. It's got like <laughs> the plastic bins. It's, it's it feels really authentic, mm. and like there's another scene where uh, a bit later on in the campaign, Hunter gets a red card, mm. and he's taken into the manager's office, and the manager's like berating him. Mm. And there's like scenes where I'm, he's in the dressing room and he's getting changed, and he looks over his shoulder like Matter and um, Chris Smalling from Man United are getting changed next to him, and he's trying to break into the team. So it, although it loses out on the fact that you don't customize your character, mm. the fact that you're playing this set character and you get to brush shoulders with like fully modelled Premier League stars is is really enticing. Presumably, this is, if this is like one set story, you are Alex Hunter. You play through this guy's uh, advancement into the Premier League and his career or whatever, uh, and he's obviously playing in the Premier League. I mean, presumably, there's scope to then have, say, as DLC or, or episodes later on, further down in the life of of, of FIFA 17. Have like okay, here's a guy. You're now you're playing as this kid from you know uh, Brazil who yeah. is working his way up through you know one of the one of the local teams there or whatever. Presumably, there's scope to do that. Have they even said anything about well, that stuff? I, I asked the producer um, Aaron McCarty about this gameplay producer, um, and he, he said he said there's just Premier League for now because it's such they explore it so thoroughly and they've modelled all the Premier League of dressing rooms that they yeah. they just can't do it for. Um, you know all the leagues, all the leagues. But yeah, I, I, there is definitely scope to to do that further down the line. But whether they will, um, because the reason they chose Premier League, it's the most watched league in the world. It's got the most nations represented. Yeah. I think sixty four different nations are in the Premier League. Whereas is that is there that demand for the German league like worldwide? Is it that popular? The French league worldwide? Maybe at a push, I can see the Spanish league represented mm. because it's mm. you know Barcelona and Real Madrid. But yeah, I'm I'm. If they do do episodes later down the line, it wouldn't be for that many different. Yeah, leagues. they've kind of like they've 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 gone all out with the one big one first, and whether if they do something else, it will never live up to that first one. Yeah, I'm, I feel quite. I, I mean, like we're lucky because it's we live in England and, and we can relate to like a, a kid with with dreams of playing in the English league. But if you're from Brazil or uh, you know Sweden, are you or Germany? You know, are you gonna really? Be able to relate to Alex Hunter and hmm. his dreams. That's, of, that's what when, in, in FIFA League. is is like a very much like a European franchise. Like that yeah. game, that game does gangbusters all across Europe. But but then I don't know. Like in a lot of countries, people really get behind the English teams, don't they? Like Man U and like Arsenal. Like these are teams that are supported like across the whole world, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. So maybe there's enough appeal to that. To I, I don't know, like because you see in, in you know like Japan, you see people in like Man U shirts and stuff. Like it has like an incredible reach. Yeah. Um, if, if they did, if they could only pick one league, it's it's a good choice that they pick the Premier League. S- some people have actually said like 
no, it's just it's just beer pro cutscenes. And I guess they do have a point. It it is, you know, beer pro. You get you can train, um, you can up, upgrade your skills, you can purchase new ones, and but it's just so much. It's so much more than that. The cutscenes give you so much more. Like you've never been able to give an interview in beer pro, and here you can you you come down the tunnel. Someone puts a microphone in your face and said, "Oh, how did you play today?" And you can say like, "Oh, you know, we bagged those three points," or you can say like, "Oh, I'm disappointed in my performance," and that's that's amazing. I've always wanted to do that. You always wanted to talk about how disappointed you are in your performance. <laughs> yeah, you can do that right now. Yeah, right? <laughs> I want to. We're watch all very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, the other other arm to this, of course, is is Pez. Oh wait, um, I haven't talked about oh, how Fever plays though. Oh my god. Okay, go and on. What oh. talked about is the story. I know. Oh, okay, good golly. Well, I'll be quite quick on this. There's a new uh, shielding mechanic where you can hold the tr- left trigger uh, and you can put yourself between your opponent and the ball and that makes you more confident in possession. You've got a new threaded through ball, which is it's not just a ball that you slice down the middle of defences. You curl it around the back line okay. and you've got um, active intelligence, which feeds into the threaded through balls because your teammates go on more intelligent runs. For instance, if you're if you're if you can't get the ball from out from under your feet, they'll pause their run so they won't run into an offside position. They'll run into tight spaces. They'll do d- dummy runs and play on other teammates to uh, draw opponents away from the space. And there's also driven shots, which uh, if you shoot and you you press the shoot button while the meat is feeling, you, you can do a shot that goes along the ter- like a, a Turf burning shot, a grass cutter, a grass cutter, daisy cutter. Yeah, that works with headers as well. And you can also do power passes. Wait, what headers? You grass, do it with headers. Ga- grass cutting. Well, no, you can aim. You have to like lie head. down on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, like what, where, what? No, I'd say it's a, like a grass <laughs> glancing, a grass glancer header where you can aim it to the corners if you press the shoot button while it's lining up. Um, do, you, do you understand? I think I think I do. You mean like you head it into the you turf it into and the it bounces off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you can do that before. Uh, set pieces are better because, uh, for instance, on corners and long free kicks, you've got a cursor. Rather than just hoof the ball into the box, you can choose where the ball goes. So there's it's less of a lottery on set pieces. Uh, you can do power passes with goalies. So you can before you can only do power passes with players, which means uh, it's like a stronger pass, but there's more room for error. But you can mm-hmm. do that with goalies now with throw-ins, so you can catch the the, the, po- the opposing team out. Penalties with free kicks, you can choose where to a- approach the ball and strike it. Throw-ins, you can run along the byline <laughs> rather than just stand in one place. There's so many different tools but, and moves. This is, this is the thing, right? You're talking about all of this amazing stuff in, in the oh, game. Oh, what's going to happen? Uh, but, 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 right, yeah. I'm still more interested in the story mode. Oh, good. I thought you were going to ruin it for me. Um, no, 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 no. It all sounds exciting and it all sounds sounds cool. Mm. But this is this is the key thing. Like Everything everything in the, in the, in the base game feels like... In the base game, in the, in the main actual game of football that you're playing feels like incremental. It feels like a slight thing that they've changed. A little new thing they've added. And it's all going to be great when it all comes together. But nothing, nothing seems like... It, nothing's like monumental. Nothing's like a huge shift apart from that story. That's why we like started talking about it because mm. it sounds like the one thing that's like that's actually going to get people picking up this one and rather than just keeping hold of FIFA 16 and just I carrying on playing that. You could argue that it is monumental. If you've played a lot of the game, all these changes are going to change the game. Yeah. Um, that's good to hear. Because that's the worry, is that it is all incremental. Yeah. But you, if you're saying it's not, I'm going to believe you. You, you kind of have to <laughs> accept that football games just aren't going to change monumentally. It's it's very you, unrealistic. You say that, but then Ultimate Team came yeah. along. And, and that, that changed FIFA. That didn't change the gameplay. Though. It didn't change the gameplay, but it changed... It, 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 
reinvigorated. Mm. And as, maybe the story series. mode can do the same. Exactly. That's what I'm. That's I, what I'm hoping. Yeah. I, I'm really excited about the story mode. It's just, yeah. it's just wish fulfillment. You, you, you play the uh, play in the Premier League. It's the, it's it's not just the game, but it's all everything that surrounds. I mean, the game of football, but it's mm. everything that surrounds the game of football. It's bringing that into your into your game it's, of FIFA. It's so offensive. Yeah. That's what you want from a sports game. You want the the, the sports game to mirror the, the the sport you love in like minute detail. And yeah. if anything's off, you're gonna you're gonna notice. The, a, little, a little aside. Um, there was a scene where Hunter was in his pad after playing really well, and he's he's right up there now. It's like a luxury pad. He's moved out of his granddad's house. And he's he's on it like he's on his phone on Twitter and he's going over his mentions and there's like mentions from actual footballers like Olivia Giroud from Arsenal and he's like mentioning you and your team's trending and like that's your ultimate fantasy, isn't it? It's like really good Twitter success. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's your wish fulfillment. At Game Griffin on Twitter. <laughs> um, Pez, yes, Pez, the contender, the other contender. I'm slightly more down on on Pez. I don't think it, it changed that much from, from last year, which was a good game. I, for instance, you've got a new, that there are less, there are less tools and less moves that you can do this than, than FIFA. FIFA introduced a lot of new things you can do, whereas Pez, I feel like, tweaks it. Yeah, so they've, they've changed passing to take account of your, like, momentum and your, your weight more accurately. So if you get the ball and you're kind of on the wrong foot and you try and play that ball off, it's going to, Bobble off into the into mm-hmm. the stands. Bobble off. It's going to bobble off. Bobbles. And that works for the player receiving it. So if he's sprinting and you you play it too hard, it's going to you know it might cannon off his shin. Or if he's really good at controlling, he'll receive that ball better. So there are more variables determining the success of passes, and that 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 doesn't ch- tra- change the game dramatically. It's just mm-hmm. like an improvement. But for me, that didn't really work because when I was playing it, you have to. Hold down the button um, to charge the pass up. Uh, otherwise, it will just kind of dribble along the floor. And I felt like you had to had to hold it down a bit too long, and it slowed the game down. Mm. They can they can tweak that though. It's not out of the question. That they the the other that. thing as well, uh, uh, whenever you pick up a new football <coughs> game, whether it's PES or FIFA, there's always that like that that weird kind of say like few weeks where you're getting used to the new systems, getting used to everything. So, mm. I mean. At the, at the t- at time of recording, we've only played it for how how many games I, have you I played? I played Pez for about three hours. Right. I okay. played FIFA for yeah the same amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's another um, thing in Pez uh, that I I didn't really like uh, the shooting. Hmm. I felt like the shooting was was random. Like I I tap the shoot button and the ball could just bury itself in the bottom corner, hmm. or it would just like go right into the goalie's hands as like a snail's pace and just um or i could like fill it up halfway and it go rock it into the stands and it feels entirely random if the ball's gonna go wider in the in the net at least in fifa you kind of know okay i've i've caught this at the right moment of course on the right part of my foot mm-hmm. it's gonna mm-hmm. go in or well it's, it's interesting because that was always because i always used to play both piece uh, pizza pizza and fez i was gonna say <laughs> Yeah, you used to eat pizza I used and play to eat, fez. Eat pizza, and then later you used to play football games as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I used to play both FIFA and Pez, but for yep. different reasons. Like FIFA for like legitimate simulation, kind of wanting to play an actual game of football. With the licenses on, oh yes, exactly on on a, on a console. But then Pez for what? Well, like it was a, at uni Monday night, just prior to going out for a few drinks, get your mates around and play a game of Pez because in Pez. It always had that sense of you're not quite sure what's going to happen. 
Like anything could happen. Like the the donkey that you've got in midfield that can't pass a ball ever and is absolutely rubbish could just break out an incredible bit of skill and score a goal and everyone would be screaming and tapping the the replay button so that they could watch it back again because it had that that touch of touch of magic to it that say when you've played like fifty games of FIFA back to back you can kind of, with the same team say you can kind of predict and kind of know the systems yes. and you know what's working and what's not but with with Pez it always had that little dash of 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 I guess magic to it I, yeah I know exactly what you mean like yeah. for instance you can you can you can never score from behind the halfway line in FIFA I've tried loads of times <laughs> I've tried like volleys from forty yards out and yeah. you, you, it's never going to work. Like I've tried for five years and I've never scored. Yeah. But in in Pez, there's always that chance that yeah, the goal the goalie uh, might just it go, might go through his hands. Yeah, uh, there was a who was the there was a defensive midfield player in the Pez Master League team. I think it was Dodo. Do you remember Dodo? Dodo. No, Dodo. I remember Dunga. Dodo. But Dodo scored from a centre circle for me once in yeah. like a in just not not even trying, just randomly hoofed it. I, I guess he was just trying to clear it. And it just sailed over the goalkeeper and in. And it was just, I, th- I think it was like 10 minutes of uh, pause of just people in the room just in shock <laughs> yeah. watching the replay again and again and again because it was amazing. And yeah, you don't get that, that necessarily, or you haven't had that in, in FIFA for a long time. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. Is that, um, is that, do you get a sense that that's still there in, in PES 17? That, that's definitely still there. Um, every goal I scored was totally different. Like one would deflect off a shin or someone, another goal would like bury in the top corner. Mm. But while I see that you could, you could definitely like that about the game. I I think it's a bit too unpredictable. Mm. You get a sense, I get a sense listening to you now talking about it, that it's, it is still viable to someone for someone to enjoy one or the other. Oh, definitely. We, we got someone in the office who played pairs and he, he loved it. I have, I, I would like to like it. But I, I think FIFA's definitely better this year. It mm. improves more, um, whereas Pez is just a bit more of a, a tweak. It certainly sounds like that's the case. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I'll still probably play both at some point. Yeah. Because, like I say, I think getting your mates around for a game of Pez just it just has too many of those magic moments to to, to kind of ignore. If if you're already a Pez fan, this is going to solidify your viewpoint. Can you solidify a viewpoint? Uh, a viewpoint can be solidified, yeah. Okay. Then, then consider your viewpoint solidified. solidified. <laughs> um, well, they say in football that you, that you never walk alone. Do they? <laughs> but in this game, which Matt is reviewing in our next issue, you do walk alone across an alien world. I could see, uh, I could, yeah. I could see that as you were just starting to say it, that you'd actually been thinking about how you were going to say this. Well, I had to do something while, I, while all you guys were talking about football games for the last <laughs> half an hour. I had to do something, so I was sure. thinking up that incredible segue. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, in issue, in issue three of six, we've got a review of, um, uh, the independent survival game, The Solus Project, which looks pretty interesting. Yeah. So I've been playing this and it's not necessarily a game that, that, um, that, people will have heard of, so I kind of want to put it out there, because it's actually very good. It is, and bear with me, uh, it is a survival game. You've got a bear with you? I've got a bear with me. And he, no. I don't. <laughs> Shut up. I said it's more of a wookie, but... <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> oh, that's like a... It's a bear. That's like a murder. <laughs> I've never done that before. Anyway, sorry, uh, Matt. Right, so the Solus Project is uh, a survival game, and uh, it's... Uh, is on Steam, which 
is not exactly a marker of quality. It's, but this, it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot. There's of, some very good ones out there. There's some very. Uh, um, but this is incredibly polished, ones. and it is essentially more linear than your average survival game as well. So you are a lone uh, spacefaring scout chap who's crash landed on an alien planet, uh, a barren alien planet, long dead apparently, um, and you initially have to not die. Uh, by collecting resources and all the kind of... There's no tree punching initially, which is a good oh, thing. Oh, it's a relief to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's shrubbery punching, though, so... Um, yeah, why? Some of that. There's another... Um, uh, to go back to, I think it was our first or second episode, there's another thing I would jettison into space, is, uh, <laughs> is the act punching of punching a tree. a tree in a survival game. Yeah. Just nonsense. Yeah. So that doesn't happen. Um, but you... Apologies to our Minecraft uh, <laughs> Minecraft fan listeners out there. So the way the way the the game works is that you have these big open areas where you have to explore and try and find. Essentially, you're you're trying to build a, a signal tower to signal to your to your buddies back up in space that you're alive and, and safe and that they can come and and start colonizing this new world because it's um, habitable. But to do that, you have to find resources around uh, the area that you're in. Your your ship has crashed, landed, and all of the bits of it have scattered across the landscape. Uh, and to do that, obviously, you need to stay alive long enough to get to those bits and bobs. But whilst you're doing that, whilst you're like put, getting a campfire set up so that you stay warm at night, you've got the the cl- actual climate around you to deal with. So. Um, the the planet that you're on has like two moons, one of which is this huge ball of ice in the night sky, which kind of drifts across, um, bringing with it like huge sand uh, sandstorms, snowstorms, and, and blizzards and thunderstorms and things. Uh, and then you've got uh, when the when the sun is up, the surface temperatures you can get like solar flares, which will just like fry the surface of the planet. So whenever that happens, you need to get into the shade or or find some way to not burn uh, to a crisp. But whilst you're doing all of this. You're also occasionally uh, ushered into these underground catacombs or, or like caverns underground, where where all is not quite what it seems on this planet that you've landed on. And and slowly but surely, you're 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 urged through, say, four different areas, four huge areas where your task is to survive and explore, and then also four underground. Catacombs, where you 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 puzzle your way through them, almost like a kind of like a first-person puzzle game, um, like physics puzzles and and and, and things like that. Um, so you've got this real nice mix of like a linear experience where you're there is an end, there is a beginning of the story, there is an end of the story, and you're working towards it and you're discovering things. And you've got this these these mechanics where, so for example. Hypothermia is a is a big problem for the, that you'll encounter on on, the, on this planet. So you, your your character will get very cold. You've got this little uh, PDA style thing which tells you all your like body readouts, tells you like body temperature if you're in a bit of trouble of uh, getting too cold. Um, and you might be in the middle of solving some huge underground puzzle cavern thing, and then suddenly you hear a beep beep beep, and then you look down at your PDA and realise, oh, actually it's quite cold in this room. Uh, and I'm about to get hypothermia, and so so like the survival stuff is is it's not like a constant. I need to find food. I need to find water. I need to stay alive. It's like this background background tension to what is the main meat of the game, which is exploring this strange and very mysterious uh, planet and uncovering the mystery because there is this huge mystery of what's actually happened to the people that were living there before. Whilst simultaneously, like I say, you've got this, t- this tension of 
not dying <laughs> and staying alive. It's it's the survival mechanic you've seen in games which are pure survival, like Minecraft or whatever, but but used to, I guess, emphasise the 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 built-in kind of sense of isolation or or danger uh, inherent in in just exploring an area, which is which is really unique. And and like I say, the polish is there. It's it's incredibly polished, sounds, beautiful uh, looking game. Sounds very lonely. It is a lonely experience to the point where I think. I think Robin, you were stood behind me watching me play at one point when I had yeah. my head, headphones on, and you like coughed or something, and I, I actually like, jumped out of my chair like. <gasps> I'm a human. Yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 a it's a good game though. It's definitely worth a look. It? Yeah, I, I saw you underwater at one point. Yes, yeah, not a good idea. Um, it turns out uh, because it's quite cold. The water on I think the planet's called Gilles or something. That's just it's just depressing mm. to me that like you're diving on a planet like you're miles under the surface of the water. Uh, and no one's around, and you, if you die, no one's gonna mourn uh, it you. It has, it has this great thing because. Sorry, that got really sad. <laughs> <laughs> because essentially, you are, um, you are, you are scouting out this planet for human habitation because all the rest of the human race is is dead. That is the blessing. Like, uh, apart from a small, like a handful of colonists waiting to find a world to come and live on, and you're kind of humanity's last hope. Yeah. You know, they're waiting for a signal from you so that you can tell them it's safe. They can come down and live on this planet. Because otherwise they're all going to die up there in space. And you get occasional like broken up radio signals from them saying, "Are you still there? We really need you to bring us back some macaroni." But then if you die, then the game over screen is basically, "Well done, human race is dead." Duh, that's your fault. I think so. This doesn't sound like a great planet to colonize on anyway. Well, this is the thing. When when you first get there, it's like, "Oh, it is habitable. I need to tell them." And then you start. Like say delving underneath the surface and finding out that all is not what it seems. I mean, there are touches of. It's it's kind of like really hard edged uh, sci fi like horror, you know like there's a, there's a it's a like a dash of like alien in there like and it's not that there are aliens it's it's that you get this sense of something that you you're not quite sure what it is or or what's going on and because of that it's it's terrifying. <laughs> I think that that mystery is good good and that that's what make, would make it compelling if it's just like okay build a base that's it. Well, shrubs. Yeah, I mean, this this is the thing. Like, if you think about those old alien movies, they were scary because you didn't know what the alien was and mm. what it was all about. And no one punched any trees. In those it, that also did not happen. But then, when once you figured out what it was all about, and once you got, you know, James Cameron's uh, aliens, and it yeah. was it, they couldn't do straight up horror. It had to be an action movie now because you know what it is. You know what you're dealing with. Yeah. In the Solus Project, because it's not. I mean, it's because it's a, its own like little standalone thing, and you're exploring this completely new environment, and you don't know anything about it. Um, it means when they do try the horror stuff, uh, it really d- does work, and it's really effective. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't, I won't spoil anything, but uh, I, I was looking over Matt's shoulder at uh, one particular sequence, and it was genuinely very scary yeah. in a way that I didn't so, expect. So there's, there's, there's a, yeah, there's a torch which can only charge in its solar powered torch, so it charges in sunlight. You can be underneath the ground for hours at a time using this solar powered torch, and you can see this like readout on the top going, the percentage power going down. Once it gets to about fifteen percent. The light, light starts flickering and going out, and then it, eventually it does just go out, and you've got to find a source of light because underneath the ground it is completely pitch black. And when that happens, like obviously you can't see, but you can still hear things going on around you. It's, it's are you so just unnerving. Then, if you run out of light underground, <clears throat> there are other sources of light, but perhaps not quite as 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 
So there's there are things like light crystals where you can see just like a foot or, or two feet in front of you. Yeah. So you can use that to navigate and kind of find your way around, but it's really a pain in the ass. Another question. Oh, sorry, Ron. I was going to say, you can, you can just sort of like burn some... You yeah. can make a sort of flaming yeah. torch. But then you? think about it. How are you going to find a source of flame in a in a damp uh you know tunnel mm. uh where like say you had to dive underwater to get to that tunnel you've had to extinguish your fire yeah. how are you going to light a new torch and this is the other thing if you're if you've dived underwater you're going to be cold when you get to the other mm. side so you need warm so you need to get warm when you get to the other side and you've got to think about that all in advance so you'd say like okay i will pack um in my backpack i'll pack like a bunch of oiled oiled <laughs> uh, you can pour oil onto like shrubs i was going to say like oiled shrubs into your into your backpack and then when you get to the other side you can get you know, your little lighter that you found on, on on in the middle of a ship wreckage to just light that make a campfire straight away and get right. warm so you you pack your bag before each mission no 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 you, you have an inventory which oh, okay it's it's basically your backpack right so and if you die do you lose all your items and stuff to start no, again no no if you die then it's game over uh you can either load your last save like you would any other oh, game okay. to continue the story uh, yeah. Do you save at any point? Yeah. So, like I say, the survival stuff is more. It's more to accentuate the fact that you are you are exploring this barren world. It's not built to kind of be this. I mean, most of the time when I did die, it was because I fluffed a puzzle and fell down to my death, or like uh, got crushed by a moving mechanism or something, rather than oh, I didn't have enough firewood or something. Yeah. Although that okay. did happen a couple of times with hypothermia, like it's quite dangerous. Uh, it can happen on these on these alien worlds. Yeah. I'm sure I hear. But, um, but yes, it's a very good game. And it's coming out for PC and Xbox One. The Solus Project. Uh, yes, have a look. Does look interesting. Mm. Um, and you can read more about it in issue 306. Mm-hmm. You can read Matt's full review. Let's, let's go somewhere a little bit. Let's talk about something a little bit less uh, grim and, and uh, isolating and alienating. Um, let's talk about Pokemon. <laughs> Aren't Pokemon nice? <laughs> From aliens to Pokemon. Um, Pokemon Sun and Moon uh, coming soon, as we know. Yes. Um, you'll be able to uh, read more about that in this issue as well. Um, we've all already picked our starters. Poplio for me, because he's a little sea lion. He's creepy looking and weird, what? and you're weird for liking him. Oh, no. I suppose in that way, it kind of fits. The best. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's very much I the Ben Griffin of the starter Pokemon. I'm, I'm being roasted here. Um, <laughs> you guys suck. <laughs> I'm going for. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going a powerful for comeback. Litten, he's my Litten. Oh, he's Litten the fire cat, cat isn't yeah, he? Yeah, basically because he's a fire cat. That's oh. all. That's, that's see, the I'm... beginning and the end of my argument. You see, I kind of liked Litten, and then uh, I heard. Uh, so they've released a bit of like Pokedex information okay, already, right? And uh, and it includes this bit about how his his uh, fur is all like oily, so that he can catch fire, which just sounds horrible. He's like a really oily cat. He's not like supposed. He's, he's not supposed to be a nice cat. He's not one of these nice like little farm cat. Uh, like house cats that like seems like he's like, a, he's like a badass cat. Yeah, he's like uh, who's another badass cat? I'm trying to think of uh, Puss in Boots. Uh, how he's Meowth. Like, Meowth. He's like Meowth, <laughs> but uh, slightly more angry and more on fire. Stick it um, to Pokemon World. <laughs> I've, I've, got go, I've got to go with Rowlet. He's uh, Rowlet. It's Rowlet. Is it it's Ra- called Owlet. Is it Owlet or Rowlet? It's Rowlet, I believe. I thought it was no, Rowlet. Rowlet. I thought he's Owlet because he's Owl. I mean, he is an owl. <laughs> But uh, whatever his name is, he looks like a little furry football, and he's got an owl's face. It's he's he's the full package. He's got a little bow tie. Oh, he's extremely I mean, if you, cute. If you like, like to just like crash zoom into his eyes, uh, you can just see nothing but 
but like death and torment there. Yeah, that's 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 great. You can, you can <laughs> so then you've got that, you've degrees. got that super cute front, and then you've got the kind of um, uh, the, the, the death the... stare, the thousand yard stare as well. <laughs> um, that's good. We've chosen all different stars. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that, Wait. That so fits. who would win then? You know, well, obviously Lytton. He sets you all on fire. But then, no, but then you'd Poplio, be beaten. I could douse your flames. It's almost like they've set up <gasps> a kind of rock then, paper scissors situation. Wow. And then as a grass type yeah. owl, you can. Wait, is grass good against water? Yeah, because. It's been a, it's been a while. Water like water, water is good against grass. No, so electricity is good against water as well, right? Yeah. So so fi- fire beats grass. Grass beats water. Water beats fire. It's it's, it's, it's almost like this has no, been no, refined yeah. over like twelve generations <laughs> yeah. of, of video games. Well, refined. I mean, it is just the exact same. <laughs> uh, but so, well, I mean, like, like that's that's the thing, isn't it? Is is will this be? Uh, Pokemon moves pretty incrementally, I would say, um, and. Um, uh, I mean, what things would do you guys actually want from a new Sun and Moon? Do you know what I, I want? I've been I've been wanting this since uh, GBA. Um, Pokemon cries like actual Pokemon voices. You, we've still got even the even the last game. We've got like digitized roars like Pikachu would just go. Yeah. <laughs> but I want <laughs> our new segment of the podcast where we just do this for half an hour. <laughs> I want I want Pikachu to go Pika in a like higher voice than that, and I want like Geodude to to say Geodude, obviously. Uh, um, if you're listening, Nintendo Ben Griffin is available for any other <laughs> voiceover work that Imagine, you require. Like, you just give us a little bit of Geodude. Geodude, obviously. Um, Wait, Geodude. Was, that, was that it? Was that <laughs> that was it? Okay. Yeah. Geodude. Um, Geodude, obviously. I, I don't see. <laughs> <laughs> he just comes in with his little, <laughs> little clipboard. Uh, hello there. Uh, Geodude here. Mm. Geodude, obviously. Um, obviously. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I, I want to I see that, and I don't see any reason why we can't have voices on our on our cartridges, because they're big enough. And, yeah, I do, yeah I'm annoyed. No, I'm... I'm, I'm a, You're annoyed? I'm annoyed, yeah. <laughs> I think we need, like... Uh, I think if you're going to introduce something, it's got to be something to do with the act of catching a Pokemon. Right? How so? Because it's, that is one thing that has not changed at all for all of the games. It's like, you press throw Pokeball, it wobbles a bit. You tap B. Maybe, no, well, if, if, you, if, you, if, if you believe in that sort of thing, uh, you I would believe. tap B. It was down and B, wasn't it? Down and B. Uh, I, I thought it was just mash B. Okay. That's why you didn't catch anything. Yeah, I mean, I never caught, um, well, I had to use the Master Ball to get, like, Mewtwo or whatever. I never oh, right. caught any oh, legendaries. Everyone, everyone oh, that's that. the end. That's why you even um, have one. I never got, like, Zapdos? Yeah, that's the... I never got uh, that is the name Pokemon. of a Pokemon, yeah. Yeah, Moltres. Moltres. Right, so there needs to be some kind of active thing that you do when you're trying to catch a Pokemon, other than just tap the Pokeball. So, like, I think, like, Yokai Watch had, like, this, uh, like, searching mechanic thing where you're tapping on an environment to find something, or, or like, when you're, even when you're fighting, it's active, like, you're spinning a disc or you're rubbing something with the, with the stylus on the bottom screen. But then, I, I feel like they do have that because you can, you can have state effects, status, status effects on Pokemon, you can, like, poison them, you can send them to sleep, um, you can do all these things that prepare the Pokemon and weaken them. Uh, and then you've got all the different balls to choose between, like the Ultra Balls and the the Great Balls, and you can do a lot of this. Robin's sniggering because I said balls. balls joke there. Um. <laughs> but you can do all this stuff to Pokemon. That, um, I do see a point that the fundamentals are still there. But if since it's not changed, that's it. It's not changed. Like, you can do that. Wild grass. You can do like... all that stuff you mentioned about all oh, put them to sleep and throw a ball at them mm. in in red and blue. Like that's the thing is. So I'm sort of a lapsed Pokemon fan, and that I. I've played like the original Pokemon. I've played to death and, and played like 
you know, if I've got like a long road trip or something, sometimes I'll still bring my Game Boy Color and play a game of Pokemon Yellow or something. Wait, you do that now? Uh, yeah, I would oh. still do that now. Um, yeah, they're on the eShop now, aren't they? And um, so I still, like, I have that affection for the series, and I, I loved it as, as a kid, but it just feels like every new one that's come out has failed to give me, like, a really good reason, a really good hook mm. to get into a new one. It just feels like I, I do, well, I could just go back to, you know, Pokemon Blue and just have the same experience again. Mm. It, it wouldn't. I, they've got this weird, quite unique uh, line that they've got to walk as well, though, because especially especially in Japan, like they've got parents who grew up playing Pokemon, now playing Pokemon with their kids. Mm. And like you said, lapsed players, right? These mm. parents will be lapsed players. So they'll be joining their kids playing. It needs to be simple enough for the kids to understand, but also the same enough parents to be able to remember it and then explain it to their kids. I think it's... Like, I think, certainly I think it's misguided to try and keep Pokemon simple. Because I don't think Pokemon was ever actually simple. No, no, no. I mean, like, uh, enough so that, that they remember it to... Explain. I don't think like say. I'm not saying like tone it down or anything. I mean like the re- that's the reason why it stayed the same for some. Yeah, like, it's because it's not it's, get get the gym badges. Yeah, explicitly uh, don't add, don't alienate those older players. I think it's. Uh, I think you could add new things. I think you could do more new things than they have done. I guess. Like I, I can understand. Uh, and there was a, I think there was a quote. Uh, not everybody been in our Pokemon feature. There was a quote that's like. You know, every Pokemon game, we have to think like this is someone's first Pokemon game, mm. and so. But then it's almost like Groundhog Day or something. It's like they they've got this mindset where they're like, "Well, we're making the first Pokemon game over and over and over, mm. uh, so we know, so we, so we're sort of deliberately not going to advance the formula." Yeah. Um, it's, you're you're always in. You start in your mum's house, and your 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 dad's never there. And she's always like, "Oh, you're going to go out and conquer the world, son." You're like, "Yeah, I want to be a Pokemon trainer." Why is that the only story that they can tell in the Pokemon universe? I'd, yeah, I'd like to see them... Try. I mean, I suppose they have the spin-offs and stuff, but I'd like to see them try something a bit different. I mean, I like that this one... So, this one's, like, fully it's, 3D and, like, fully, fully animated. 3D, I, I, I want to... Uh, like, obviously, you've got, like, Detective Pikachu, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, that's... Right? But th- this is the thing. Like, you, you just mentioned, like, different stories. Like, yeah, what if you were, like, like this grizzled Pokemon private investigator? Like, yeah. Pokemon <laughs> crime. It's like L.A. Noir, yeah. but, like, in Hoenn. And you're, yes. you're like going into people like crime scenes where Pokemon have done naughty things, and you've got to like uncover the mysteries. That would be um, amazing. But I think we've seen as well, like if if they don't step in, we we like for years now they have not done this. They have not done something different, something new. And like other things have stepped in and done something new. Like Yoko Watch is is like it came out recently. It's not dissimilar to Pokemon. It's mm. pretty similar to Pokemon in a lot of ways, but. Everything in it is just a bit different. It's just something, you know, instead of like walking through the long grass, you go and, um, you go into this mini game where you're like looking for the yokai yeah. and you're looking under cars to see where you can find the yokai and stuff like, like it, just a, like little things that just make it feel like a fresh formula again. Mm. And it feels like Pokemon could have done that. Like Pokemon could have just had like, oh, here's the game where there is no long grass. Like mm. we're just going to do something different. Yeah. Uh, but instead it feels like it's, it's very similar every time, which I think mm. does put off some people. But then, I mean, there must be a lot of people who just want the same game every time, you know. I mean, that, like that, comfort. that said, yeah. I am still looking, very much looking forward to playing Sun and Moon. Mm. Yeah, like, um, I don't it. think we've even talked about the setting. It's set, set on, like, uh, Hawaii. Yeah. Um, it's actually called Alola. Mm. And it looks like a really amazing setting, like blue skies, beaches. Your professor is like a, like a shirtless dude with like a, a white lab coat and sandals and, it looks like a really laid back setting. Mm, uh, I like that. Mm. Yeah, it looks and it looks 
lovely as well. Mm. It's hard to believe the 3DS is still pumping out. Yeah, more 3D than... The, the last game was uh, a 3D world as well, but this looks a bit more, like, even more expansive. Like, um, there's a shot in the trailer where you're, you're going down, like, a, bit, a big road uh, in, in a city, and the city just seems to stretch off into the distance, and you think, yeah, even though the game hasn't changed, like, fundamentally that much... Only a few years ago, we were playing it from a top-down perspective, and yeah. now we've got the camera zoom behind the character, and we can explore these worlds. Yeah. It feels like that's a potential direction for them to move in, and maybe this is like almost all the way there. But like Pokemon as more of like a three D open world game rather than like this top-down overworld like kind of thing, um, like like Monster Hunter almost. Yeah, like. Uh, Something where it feels a bit more like right now, go off into this world, and because mm. they, they, they use the like, like they have the sort of gym badge system, which then funnels you very linearly through what is actually like quite a big world. But like, imagine if you like were ki- you were kicking off at the start of Pokemon Blue or something, and it was just like you can do this in any order, just go and explore and, and do whatever you want. I, I would be, I would find that quite exciting. A bit like quite a bit like a Pokemon, but like with. With the kind of like Oblivion or uh, or, or Skyrim, yeah, like style. kind of a like, yeah. Oh man, if if you if you like found like a you know Geodude, you can crack these rocks and gain entry to this cave, but you have to find a Geodude first. And, and he'd be like, "Do you mind?" <laughs> obviously. Geodude, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and you'd like to cross this body of water, you need like a Lapras or or a, or a Waylord. Waylord. <laughs> if you ever get referencing that. back to the last podcast, yeah, a little bit of a callback there for yeah, loyal listeners. That's what it's called. It's a callback. <laughs> so yeah, well, um, I'm, I'm quite. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm going to play it for at least hundred hours, as yeah. I do all Pokemon games. Um, do you play every one? I've played every one. Yeah, for a hundred hours. I've actually got like a. You play every game. Like, seems like you play every game for a hundred hours every year. <laughs> that's my cut off point. <laughs> it's like well, ninety nine done. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm the fever and Pokemon man. I. But Pokemon specifically, because I've got a big box of the past games that I've played, right? Uh, and I'm all the Pokemon that I've captured, all the legendaries. I've got amazing Pokemon on that collected across all those games. I'm going to pass them down to my kids when I get kids, <laughs> and um, I'm going to give them all my Pokemon and just destroy uh, their enjoyment from the from Pokemon because I'm just going to have them all on a plate ready to go, so they don't have to play. You mentioned this the other day, like your sort of like ten year old collection of Pokemon who keep who stay with you through all these games and that, that I suppose that's the kind of thing that makes me look like a jerk when I talk about like they should do something new because because they haven't really changed the formula that much in all that time that's allowed you to have this like continuity yeah. through all Has the games carry your Pokemon forward. have you got like one Pokemon that's been with you for, through all of this but that you've kept by your side all the way through um, no, I, I haven't because they're all amazing yeah. and I can't pick between them I've, I've literally got about 30 level 70 and above Pokemon like 15 legendaries like and you they've yeah I'm, I'm not like beholden to any single one they're all like in a box they're all like, your children <laughs> no they're all, they're all in a box on my pc um and that's where i keep them so i don't like transport them between games i've just got them oh right so it's actually it's quite horrifying because i've got them all locked in captivity uh, that is quite nice. Yeah, thing. I just use them. Just use them for the I, powers. I, 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 I'm a bit of a shame because I like the idea of you becoming like, attached to one particular. Yeah, I, I wish I was. I, I, um, I did that with um, Monster Hunter. Sorry, not Monster Hunter. Dragon Warrior Monsters is the game I'm thinking of, which is like a 15 year old like Pokemon ripoff that was set in the Dragon Warrior. It was actually a prequel, I think. To Dragon it was quite Warrior. good though, wasn't it? That's the thing. It was. It was. It was really good, and I loved it as a kid. And then uh, that's another game where like. 
I kept playing it for a long time. Um, uh, I'd say whenever it was like a long journey or something, I'd just break out the, the Game Boy and I'd like keep going with my game. Mm. And, and that was a game where like you, you didn't keep the same monsters, but you could like breed your monsters together to get new monsters. And, um, there were, I ended up like after like, probably like 10 years of still playing this like same game. I had these like lineages of monsters, like Brilliant. you know, like this is this is the great 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 yeah. great great grandson of my original like anteater monster or whatever. You should do you should do a family it. tree of that at some point. I, that's the thing is the game didn't actually map it all out for you, which would right. have been really. What it did was just it put a number next to things, so it was just like oh this is a this is a, a mongoose two. yeah mongoose plus two or something mongoose. I don't think there were any mongooses in the game. There was an anteater, but uh, yeah, like. So you, that was what I really wanted was to be able to look back at the family tree. Yeah. But, um... do, do you know? I, I do actually. You, you saying that I do remember, like importing Pokemon from past games to help me uh, in in new games. Like in Black and White, I was coming up against a, a gym leader and he was kicking my ass every time. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to my old like faithful Pokemon. I had a Metagross, which is like a, a metal like spider kind of thing. He was so powerful because his genetics were so good. I I, I locked out on. If you didn't notice, all Pokemon have different like base stats depending on their genetics, and this one was just really good. I think it was like aggressive or like sturdy or something. And added to that, I like boosted his abilities with uh, calcium. I'm struggling to remember. It was like ten years ago, but it, basically, he was eat your calcium. <laughs> he, Boost your abilities. It was amazing, and I imported him and just wiped the floor with this guy. And he was like, "Oh, my my old favorite Pokemon from my childhood has returned to save me." <laughs> And yeah, just and just, then you put him straight back in the box. Yeah, back, back, you back in your box. <laughs> um, uh, well, speaking of Nintendo, we did get a fan letter about Nintendo. Oh yeah, I say letter. We got an email, but uh, actually, that's a lie. It's not even an email. It was a Facebook comment. So <laughs> I've started this off on a terrible uh, bit lies, of lies upon lies. <laughs> but uh, Stanley Cohen on Facebook. Um, and if you've got any questions for the uh, Mastercast, you can post on our Facebook, or head to our Twitter, or email us at gamesmaster at futurenet.com. But he uh, he posted on our Facebook, what's your opinion on Nintendo not showing anything about the NX at E3? What would you like to see for the NX, and how can the NX compete with Xbox and PlayStation? Uh, we'll all say we're recording this before E3, so if, if Nintendo was lying and they did show the NX at E3, then... Um, then Dis- we'll probably have cut this by now. <laughs> <laughs> then disregard this whole section. But uh, but I think it's an interesting question because I think people... I think I was very surprised that they weren't showing the NX at, at yeah. E3. I mean, there were rumours that the reason why it's not being not being shown is because they're still like developing VR elements to it, which is very spurious. All, I mean, yeah, all. the whole NX thing is just like a mess of... Um, rumours upon... Yeah. I mean, we've pulled together some of the most likely ones in in recent issues, but, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but there's so much still that we just don't know. Mm. Unless they've they announced it shortly after we. <laughs> I feel like they, they need to wash away the bad taste of the Wii U as soon as possible. The bad taste of Wii. Oh, oh. <laughs> the bad taste of the Wii. Uh, yeah, this NX is almost like the the Listerine mouthwash of the games industry. No, of, of Nintendo's bad. Ninty console. fresh. Ninty fresh. I don't Ninty think it's fresh a bad breath. console. It's just it's well. It's, yeah. Okay. So I think it's bad. Mm. It certainly hasn't done well for them, and that's that's it, isn't it? It's and just... it's it's it's. I think like the Wii U, like it had it had a really bad kind of like their messaging behind it and the way that they sort of put it out there just didn't work. Like they put it out there as the Wii U, people got confused. They were like, "Is it 
is it a new controller for the Wii? Like parents across the land mm. didn't know what it was. Yeah. Um, and like they put out this, uh, you know, the Wii U, um, what's it called? The pad. It's just called the game, game pad. pad. It's just called the game pad. Yeah. Um, that game pad, you know, they put it out there and they were like, right, this is like another screen. This is going to be, you, you look at it and you're like, oh, this is like a console that's kind of aping like the 3DS. And maybe we'll be able mm. to do some stuff with the two screens. And it felt like they released a couple of games at launch that had the two screens and then pretty much that's it. Like, mm-hmm. And then from then on, it was just like, oh, well, that's where your mini-map is or something. When um, you have to like incorporate a new technology into your game and you have to spend extra man-hours doing that, no one's going no one's gonna to do that. I mean, like that's the thing is Nintendo's first-party games do to a degree. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, as you say, like, third-party developers are just not incentivized to... To do that, and then that was the other thing was that when they launched, they were like, "Oh, it's going to have it's going to have all the third party games. It's going to have all the same games that you see on Xbox and PlayStation." Like, we're launching with Mass Effect Three, we're Batman. launching with Arkham Knight, mm-hmm. like not Arkham Knight, it was Arkham City, wasn't Arkham it? City. But like, they launched with all of these um, like Watch Dogs. Um, they launched with all of these third party games, and then all of that completely died. Either the sales didn't work, or the relationships with third party developers broke down. So it feels like there were so many things at launch that they were trying to put out there that just didn't come together, regardless of whether that is a good console they, or they not. I think they make it powerful. Like I, I think that was the, the main point, that it felt like, yeah, this is only as powerful as the consoles that are at the end of their lives. Yeah. Uh, and this needs to be... And that, that was the reason why they couldn't get third-party games on their machine, because they'd have to downgrade them dramatically. If they make it an actual next-gen console that's going to give it a lifespan. I mean, it's, it's, it is sad what's happened with the Wii U because it does feel like it's the only console out there that is not trying to be, or not, or not, or not trying to set its benchmark as, as, as a gaming PC, right? So, like, the PS4 and the Xbox One are essentially PCs but with dedicated operating systems, etc. Whereas the Wii U is genuinely trying to do, like the Wii before it, it's generally trying to do something different, trying to do something new, which is exciting and interesting and all those things. But, like you said, like, just with with the NX, I think they, they kind of have to double down on on the games. Like, forget any kind of weird hardware stuff, forget mm. any of that stuff, just, just build a bunch of great games <laughs> and then put them front and centre. Like, don't be afraid about of talking about them. Don't, like, say, hmm... We we might talk about this in a couple of years' time. Like put put the cards on the table and say like these are the great games that you could be playing on the ne- on the next machine, uh, and you'll need one if you're going to play it play them. You know exactly. Yeah, and it, it, Nintendo's always had this focus where they're like, it, it feels like they always want to make the next revolutionary bit of hardware, like the next revolutionary controller. Like going right back to like you know the Virtual Boy and and like. What was it like Rob the Robot? Like it always feels like they're they're the ones doing like a big crazy experiment, and sometimes it works phenomenally well. I mean, the Wii did incredibly well mm. off the back of motion controls, which at the time were um, not widely used at all. Obviously, now that good. Well, that's the thing is they were they were actually a little bit a little bit shoddy in terms it, of. It is that sense of of clarity though. You know, like if someone picks up a Wiimote and starts playing playing uh, yeah. was it Wii Sports Tennis. They already know how to play that. It's like instinctive. Yeah. And the thing is, like the Wii was a huge success, not because it was like, oh, we've made a better console than anyone else. It was because they tapped into this mm. huge market of people. It's a new way who, to play. Yeah, who weren't into, who would never have bought an Xbox or a PlayStation, but 
but would play Wii Bowling because it was so accessible and, it, mm. you know, it seemed very family-friendly and all of that sort of stuff. So so it can work for them, but but obviously the Wii gamepad, Wii U gamepad, mm. feels like a time when it, it didn't work. They mm. were trying to do something really different and it just, yeah. just felt flat. Um, and as you say, I, I would kind of like to see them just maybe take, have like a like a, a a console generation where they just kind of just make a really solid console with really solid games and mm-hmm. and, and forge really solid relationships with Ubisoft and EA and stuff yeah. like that and and, and just, just sort of focus on the basics. Just make a good console, Nintendo. I'd li- I'd also like to you see, um, and this is more in terms of the games. He's called we'll Nintendo see. Idiots. You can't say. That. <laughs> Sorry, wow. I take it back. We love we love you, Miyamoto. Sorry, Ben didn't um, mean that. What was I going to say? You've, un- you've unrailed my train of thought. Uh, derailed it. Derailed it. Unrailed it. We're you were going to talk about the NX. Right, okay. So this is something that I'd quite like to see more of, and that is we know a lot of the auteurs over at Nintendo, you know, Tezuka-san and Miyamoto and all, all of these, these guys who've been around since, you know, the NES uh, era, building great games and, you know, putting together great consoles. But I'd quite like to see them make more of the the kind of new wave of autos over at Nintendo, like internally when they're talking about the games that they're building. So like mm. we, we know, we know cause we're interviewing them and chatting with them. The folk like Koizumi and, and, and Sakurai who are making smash bros and, and, and uh, the Mario uh, games. But like nobody who are ma- nobody there making those games has cut through like the way like Miyamoto is, is a, is a household name. Right. So like, I think they really need to like celebrate those guys who are building those games a bit more and kind of a way of doing that is is like I say showing stuff before it's it's necessarily ready like I think they did it with with Zelda Wii U back when the console first launched just like a tech demo and then since then they've been very wary of of showing anything before it's pretty Mm. much finished you know it feels Um, like they've got a like they feel like they have to put this familiar face on everything. Yes. So then they end up saying things like, oh, like Miyamoto was the um, consulting producer on this game or something. Yeah. Like, here's him tried well, out. Yeah. And it's like, I'm sure he did some work on it, but why don't you celebrate the person who exactly, actually created Exactly. The game? I think there was that story about Splatoon, about how Miyamoto was chatting with the design team at an early stage, and that was like the big news story about this mm. game when it was first spoken about. When the, the, the big deal about Splatoon is that it's a brand new IP from Nintendo like we should be celebrating all the new stuff all the people behind it the mm. kind of the the fresh uh, minds that are working on it that kind of stuff they seem to kind of double down on 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 the known rather than in terms of you know uh announcing new stuff and and, and talking about it's it's so funny know. how like all, all the games seem to spring from Miyamoto's like Childhood, like oh, Pokemon was made when he was collecting monsters in his in his back garden. Wait, yeah, monsters, not monsters. Um, he was collecting insects. Although oh, so, it was someone else, but, but yeah. yeah. No, and then Pikmin was like, ah, oh, he was exploring caves in his childhood, and that's where this came from. And yeah, Spatoon, Zelda was, uh, yeah, yeah. Spatoon was like he was painting his walls, and that's where I mean, the guy, came from. the guy is. I just made that up, by the way. Uh, the guy is f- fascinating. Oh like, yeah, to, I was really lucky enough to 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 interview him. Pretty much one of my first interviews on the job uh, on Games Master. Um, and, and just to be in the, everything, he, he like considers every word that he says, like, and everything that he does say is genius. He, he's an exceptionally gifted individual. But like, them, 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 considering the wide catalogue of games that they've got, there must be 
there must be more talents that they can celebrate yeah. as well. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it ends up being like, like Miyamoto is almost the Mario of real humans that work <laughs> yeah. in Nintendo. Is it? like, it's like sometimes they do a similar thing with with their game's mascots, where it's like, we've got this new idea. Like, I mean, I'm kind of surprised that Splatoon came out the way it did, because I could absolutely see a world in which it's, you know, Mario's paint adventure or something. Yeah. Like, here's all of the Mario characters in doing the Splatoon thing. Like, it feels like they, they come up with really interesting new game ideas, and then, like, often it's like, well, we've got, we've got to stick this cat or like um that new um metroid federation force mm-hmm. well i mean that game doesn't look that interesting to me mm. but it clearly has almost nothing to do with metroid mm. so why not just have a new cast of characters or something and, and and not like rile up this incredibly dedicated metroid fan base yeah there does seem to be a bit of a disconnect there between what what nintendo thinks people want from their ips and what they're actually doing with them oh well that said i mean we don't know what what else they've got cooking for the NX? We haven't actually predicted anything but for the NX yet, have we? Have yeah, we? we've just been talking about Nintendo. All right, let's, well, let's... you said you wanted it to be more powerful. I want it to be stupidly powerful. Uh, I want an amazing-looking Zelda. Mm. I don't want, you know, oh, here's Zelda again, third person. You can't go here, you can go here. I want, like, to look across Hyrule and be actually wowed by yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, I would like some kind of, and there's been rumours about it, but I'd I'd like some kind of connectivity between uh, whatever Nintendo's next handheld device is going to be and the the NX, whatever that will be. Like, unified operating system, sounds boring, but, like, that kind of stuff. Take your games on the go. Yeah, like, cross uh, cross play with uh, PS4 and and Vita on certain games works, works a treat, but the fact is the Vita doesn't have that many great games that you would want to... Uh, cross save with uh, c- compared to like say the 3DS like if I could play m- my Wii U games on my 3DS whoa brilliant um, if they work that kind of functionality into the next console that would be great I, I could really see that like the, the NX being this hybrid portable slash mm-hmm. it seems like that's the natural extension of like the, the, I th- the one thing about that Wii U gamepad that is really cool is that idea that like you can just play your game on the pad yeah and that feels like halfway to yeah. just making but it like half. I half see open. like I see like a, a the the box of the console having like a slot on it, which you like 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 an old cartridge. You would put your handheld device. Yeah, yeah. And so when you get home from your commute or whatever, you slot your future 3ds into the top of the console, and it sits there as like, and that's what holds all your games and holds all your stuff. And then when you're in the morning, when you're getting getting heading for the bus stop or whatever you just pull it out of the console and pop it in your bag and take it with you and, yeah. and it's yeah, all there just do that um, obviously at that point though the, the concern is that if you so you're saying you want a more powerful console yep. if, it, if it has to function as a handheld and as a I mean you can have a certain amount of like um, like the sort of the dock could have a certain amount of extra computing power or something mm. but ultimately the system would be quite heavily constrained by yeah. how powerful the portable and, was unless you true. like you could do a situation where you leave your console on, you can stream it from there. I don't think the infrastructure exists. I mean, it exists in Japan because the online infrastructure in the cities there is phenomenally well put together. But like mm. in in the UK here, I mean, like we struggle to stream stuff in the same room sometimes. Mm. To yeah, different I think as well, if, if Nintendo, I, I don't think Nintendo would ever be the company to be like, oh, you have to be always online for this thing. I feel like they're such a company That's where it's also like, true. I mean, they barely seem to 
like <laughs> understand the importance of the internet in the first place. But they 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 seem like they want to be like you know there are online features to their games, but they want to be like you buy this console, you put the game in, mm-hmm. it, it works like in the old days. We're mm-hmm. we're um, you know reliable old Nintendo, um, and and not like you know there's a lot of people who would buy who there's a lot of people who bought the Wii where if you started talking to them like. Oh yeah, you can uh, take this on the go and you can stream your games and yeah. like like they would be completely like oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, yeah. This is too confusing. <laughs> don't hurt me. They just want to um <laughs> they just you know they just want to take it out and just play it and it just works and they don't worry about, you know, how it works or, or... I do see the, the appeal in that. Yeah, I I like your idea, Matt, but I'm going to have to say no. Well, okay, I like you're your not getting idea, funding but for I'm that, not then. saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like I, I remember the the GameCube the GameCube uh, launch at Space World. No, the, the reveal of Space World. I think it was Space World 2000. Mm. Um, it's this old show that doesn't even happen anymore. They showed like trailers for Rogue Leader. They showed they showed the the, the Zelda demo where he's having a fight at Ganondorf. Oh, that was amazing. Uh, they showed like Pokemon Party where all the Pokemon are having a party, yeah, yeah. and it looked absolutely amazing. So amazing that I actually tore out the images from the magazine which are just grabs from the trailer and I put them on my wall and I'm like this I can't believe games are going to look like this yeah I can't imagine doing that now <laughs> uh, especially the poster thing because I'm an adult but like I want to I want to be amazed by uh, a trailer from Nintendo again and imagine you saw like uh, an absolutely brilliant Mario with his denim dungarees on and like Tress effects hair. Like every pore of his skin. Every pore. <laughs> Ultra realistic Mario, all his moustaches waving. Imagine you saw him on screen, his face taking up the whole of the, of the screen. Saying, like, it's like, a me. like in Mario 64. Saying <laughs> so it's a me, Mario, and you get to play with his face and pull his cheeks and their ultra realistic cheeks. Imagine that. Would that, that horrifying. would that be horrifying? Would that be amazing? I, I think, like, the thing is that Nintendo... <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to brush right, <laughs> right past like, that horrible okay. <laughs> Um I think the thing about Nintendo is that they have never relied on... Well, maybe not never. In the last, like, 10, 15 years, they've not relied on, like, really, really, like, high technical power hmm. to make things that look amazing. Like, Mario Galaxy, for example, like, is awesome looking game but like it's not because um it has like this incredibly powerful machine to run on it's because of the way they make their games and and like these and and, and like the fact that mario doesn't have like a million individual mustache hairs and that he's he's actually a character painted in like really broad strokes and like really like bold colors and stuff i think allows them to to and like like splatoon i think looks wonderful uh games like that yeah i think in, in terms of the power of the machine. I think it, as long as it enables interesting gameplay, and as long as it enables you to do more with 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 the game, so like make the world bigger or allow you to have more characters on screen at once, then great. But in terms of like the raw power of it, like I don't care if if the next I don't know if if the next like Battlefield One on Frostbite Three can run on the NX or not. I, I'm not really fussed, but but as long as whatever they do build allows them to do the most possible with with you know their IPs, then I'm I'm, I'm happy. I'm not too. F- I mean, Nintendo have never um, they've never really been good with third party stuff. That's that's well, just they, like, they they have been in the in the past. Yeah, GameCube was was pretty good high point for them when they had the the old yeah. Capcom Five, which went to the Capcom Four. And the N64 had some pretty good third party stuff. Um, and then going back, you've got like. 
there was a lot of third party stuff on like the snares and stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, but it, there was always this kind of, but there's always that kind of like acrimony between. It was like it was like a kind of, it was never a foregone conclusion that things were happening. It was always like, oh well, if the right deal can be struck, if right. the right conversations can be had, then it will happen, and it, and then it did happen, um, rather than a foregone conclusion. Rather than you say, well, of course, of course, the next. Pro Evo will be on a Nintendo machine. Yeah, yeah. Never was, you know? I, I think like the thing they've lost is that when when I had a GameCube back when I was a little I was I was little little kid Robin. Wee Robin. Little Wee Robin, but without a Wii, because it hadn't come out yet. It was like it was like, oh well I've got a GameCube and that competes with these other consoles because like, well, maybe I can't play Metal Gear Solid, but like you know, a lot of games are on all three and then here are the rest of inline. Yep. There's a game. <laughs> sure. And like here are the here are the exclusive ones and like you know, I think the exclusives are good versus the PlayStation exclusive stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas now it feels like you buy a you buy a, a Wii or a Wii U, especially the Wii U. You buy the Wii U, you're playing whatever Nintendo game that Nintendo yeah. puts out, which could be, you know, not a lot of them a year, and that's it. Like mm. uh, and you don't you're like not Toast Treasure Tracker, get the hell out. Well and like if you want to just be like, Oh, I want to play the I want like I want a console that can play Assassin's Creed, for example, mm-hmm. like in the GameCube era, a, a, a sort of console-spanning franchise like Assassin's Creed would have appeared on on the GameCube. Mm-hmm. But now it feels like it's, it's you know it's not going to happen unless mm-hmm. the NX makes very different moves. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's your it's your Nintendo machine. So you want power? I want power. I want like portability compatibility, and you want I guess more like, third-party support. Uh, yeah, I think I want like. I want a more versatile machine. I, I, I feel like I can't justify to myself yeah. buying a machine that can only play like 10 Nintendo games. That mm. feels like, especially in a lot of people who are only going to buy one console, it feels like they want more than that. That sounds like a, a pretty solid foundation for a new console to me. Well, get on t- it, Nintendo. They t- took all those boxes. Yeah. What would you like it to be called? The, the wow. Wii U2. <laughs> That's not going to muddy the Starring words. Bono. <laughs> I'd like to call it Big game station the big good game station <laughs> okay wow uh i'd like it them to call it something like i don't know i'd like them to mimic like the game cube but like with a different shape game the games yeah i was gonna say the game, the game sphere, sphere. Just roll Just roll away, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe like the games triangle uh the game dodecahedron what, what game toblerone Oh, that, that would work. That'd yeah. be a cool. Yeah. yeah, game. And you could take the the, the middle triangle out and take it with you on the go. That's the controller. The middle triangle. The Toblerone. Toblerones are made up of many triangles. Yeah, but like then you've just got two halves. <laughs> take the end one off there. <laughs> just break the end off your Toblerone. Maybe if it was you. like a Terry's chocolate orange. <gasps> yeah. And like each segment. slice could be like uh, a game, a different game, a different game. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we've definitely gone off the rails with this NX conversation now. So, um, uh, so that probably marks a good point to finish it. Uh, and indeed, we've run out of time for the podcast as a whole. Oh, that's so, sad. Um, yeah, it's very sad. But there will be another one in another couple seems, of weeks. Seems sad. So, uh, um, uh, so thank you very much for listening. Um, as ever, if you want to get in touch with us with a question like Mr. Stanley Cohen's, um, you good can... question, by the way. Yes, thank that's, you, Stan. It's amazing. You can write into gamesmaster at futurenet.com. Uh, you can also post on our Twitter and our Facebook. Uh, and um, those messages could also appear in our fan base page and might even win a mystery game if they become Star Letter of the Month. If you want to follow us individually, 
Uh, it's Ben Griffin's favourite part of the show, which is saying his Twitter account. At Game Griffin on Twitter. That's Ben Griffin's good Twitter account. Matt? Um, you can follow me at Gmail. And you can follow me at, uh, at Robin L. Valentine. So yes, thank you very much for listening. Our current issue 305 is on sale now. 306 is on sale on the 14th of July. Do please pick up a copy. And, uh, and buy it, don't just pick it up. Yeah, pick it up and then buy it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we will, uh, uh, you'll hear from us again in a couple of weeks. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.